So if you ask anyone who knows me well, they will tell you that one of my finest qualities, it's also a quality that will be my downfall, uh, probably in the end, is that I love rules. I love structure. I love knowing what the boundaries are. And I love, like Mark said, knowing where that line is and how far I can push things. And so while rules may seem like a huge downer for some, especially teenagers who are trying to find where that fine line is and perhaps maybe overstepping it a couple times a week, rules help ensure that we're all on the same playing field. We all know what's expected of us. They, rules create order for us, really, in a world where it seems like we are one misstep away from the whole thing just coming apart at the seams. For better or worse, rules let us know what the minimum expectation for each of us is as we learn how to participate in a common life in a community. So for instance, if you live in Arlington County, the City of Falls Church, or wherever you choose or choose not to pay your personal property taxes, by living within that area, you have agreed to adhere to the established boundaries for that community. Those established boundaries were decided upon by your peers whom you elected to govern the community. And if you choose to visit a neighboring jurisdiction by crossing that line into the next jurisdiction, you are agreeing to adhere to the set boundaries for that community. And that they might change from community to community. But more often than not, we have guideposts for us along the way. Speed limit signs, right? Across every street that you happen to find yourself on. Unless it's a speed trap down in Emporia, Virginia, they don't put those signs up as much as they should. And you'll also know that whenever you travel throughout the United States or even Canada, it's the law. It is an established boundary that you stop for school buses as children board in the mornings depart in the afternoon. So this is your warning. School's coming back in session. Don't run my kid over on Buchanan Street. So these are common expectations and boundaries, and they ensure that we all know where the limit is. In theory, uh, they also ensure that everyone has the opportunity to be safe in the place that they call home. Rules ensure that everyone is treated fairly. And when those rules for the community aren't being applied with fairness, it's the task of those elected community leaders then to determine where the boundaries need to be adjusted to ensure that all people can equally thrive. The law of Moses, the Torah, that served as the guidepost not only for the religious life of Israel, but also for the social agenda of the community. The law of Moses established the boundary for everyone. Festivals in the community were celebrated in accordance with the prescriptions of the law. And, while, and then there's the, the big ten, the ten commandments. They ordered the entire religious and social life of the community. Number one, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Number two, do not make for yourself an idol. That's not turning yourself into an idol. It's like don't idolize other things. 
Three, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath. Five, honor your mother and father. Six, don't murder. Seven, don't commit adultery. Eight, don't steal stuff. Number nine, don't covet your neighbor's... Or nine, oh gosh, that's embarrassing. Your preacher just got that wrong. Nine, don't bear false witness. And ten, don't covet your neighbor's home. So these commandments were given by God to Moses. Moses gave them to the people. They established the baseline for the community and ensured that everyone knew. Everyone in the community knew exactly what was expected of them. They got these rules, these 10 standard rules, and then you have the 613 laws that accompanied them, guided the community. They guided their shared life together. So our scripture reading has us in a synagogue on the Sabbath. It's a Friday. Jesus is standing in front of the congregation, and he notices a woman who was present that morning. And she was doing what everybody else was doing in the synagogue on that particular Sabbath day. She was worshiping God. Our gospel author tells us that she had been crippled for 18 years. And had unable to stand up straight. For 18 years, her vision, what she could view of the world, was this. She couldn't look up. She couldn't look anyone in the eyes. She had a limited view on what she could see in front of her. If this story had been taking place today, the woman would have found herself on a Sunday morning sitting in a pew or in a chair. If she had a bulletin, she would have been reading it meticulously to find all of the typos to leave on the pastor's desk the following afternoon. Or she would have been grabbing perhaps a snack from the back or filling out her offering envelope or looking busy. This woman didn't come to the synagogue to be healed. I mean, she knew it was the Sabbath. And if she were to ask for healing on that Sabbath day, she knew that she would have been placing that synagogue leader in a tight spot. Because the boundaries of the community, as interpreted by the religious leaders of the community, say that no work of any kind could be done on the Sabbath. No fires could be lit, meaning no cooking. No fields could be fielded. And certainly no healings. If she was to seek a healing, she would have to come back another day. That's not why she was in the synagogue that morning. Jesus saw this woman. Jesus knew her predicament. He knew who his audience was on that particular Sabbath day. And Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. And then he did that. Called upon the woman. Woman, you are set free from your ailment. A modern translation of that would be, hey, lady, stand up straight. You're healed. And Jesus didn't give this woman a choice in the matter. He didn't ask her, hey, would you like to be healed today? You know, I know it's the Sabbath and that guy sitting in the back wearing the flip flops with the rag hanging out of his back pocket. He's probably going to get irritated with what I'm about to do. But hey, you've got an ailment and I'm the Messiah. I'll take care of it. Jesus knew his audience. He knew that the leader of the synagogue was standing in the back next to the snacks and watching. Jesus knew that guy in the back would get angry. And Jesus certainly knew the Ten Commandments. And he knew that fourth commandment stated, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. 
Jesus knew all of this. And still he called upon the woman, laid hands on her, and she was healed. This woman had no faith in Jesus as the Son of God, as far as we know from the writer. She had no expectation that when she walked into the synagogue on that particular Sabbath day, that she would be healed. She didn't pray a certain prayer. She didn't ask Jesus to enter into her life as her personal Lord and Savior. She didn't seek out to have a personal relationship with Jesus before she was healed. And still, Jesus acted with compassion. Jesus acted with compassion and mercy on the one day of the week when he, according to the interpreters of the law, wasn't supposed to do that. The really big ironic moment of this story is missed when we have the shift from the woman praising God and then the outrage from the synagogue leader. This commandment that Jesus violated was given by God. Jesus was present when our creator, God, created and ordered the universe. Jesus was present when humanity was formed out of clay and the breath of life was breathed into our nostrils. Jesus being the divine son of God reigning on high is not just the word of God revealed to creation. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is Lord of the ordered universe. Jesus is Lord over humanity. And Jesus is Lord of the Ten Commandments given to Moses. Jesus is Lord of those commandments as they were and as they are today being implemented into the creation he oversees. There's nothing wrong with keeping the Sabbath as a holy day of rest. I imagine Jesus and his band of merry men would stop and rest as they made their travels, most likely on the Sabbath day, most likely by going to the synagogue and worshiping God. Ask any clergy person and they will tell you that the Sabbath is a holy day. Sunday is a holy day, especially in the afternoon. In my house, between the hours of 1.30 in the afternoon and 3.30, when we observe the holy nap that happens on Sunday afternoon. But as Lord of all of creation, Jesus is the one who sets into order the law that each of us observes. Jesus has the final say on exactly what work is and exactly what it means to keep a day holy. So simply put, Jesus, God, breaks the rules. And that's okay. Through the healing of this woman on the Sabbath, we are assured that things will be put right in the presence of of Christ, regardless of how people like me interpret the law, regardless of what religious professionals debate endlessly, regardless of what finalized doctrinal statements say, Jesus, God, will have the final say over the application of his word. The indignation of the synagogue leader revealed that he found his own justification through the rules. And there's nothing wrong with being a rule follower, but remember, that's coming from a self-confessed lover and chronic follower of the rules. 
But in Jesus, God revealed that we do not have to seek out our justification through the rules. We don't have to find our righteousness by doing the correct action on a certain day of the week, but then refraining from doing that same action three days later. All of us, every single one of us, including you right now who thinks I'm not talking about you, you find, we find our enoughness in the eyes of God, not through our own actions, not through our own ability to not work on the Sabbath and keep it holy. We find our righteousness, our enoughness in the eyes of God through the one who sees each and every one of our needs. Through the one who will call us by name when we least expect it. And the one who will heal each of us. Especially when there are others who say that it cannot or shouldn't be done. Our reliance upon Christ allows us to rest. Our reliance upon Christ allows us to abide in God on the Sabbath day and every other day of the week. Thanks be to God. Amen.